Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Dunzo. This is a podcast that explores hookups and breakups of famous lovers and friends, both real and fake, and all the discarded pop culture of yesteryear. I'm your host, Troy McKeady. You guys, welcome to another episode of Dunzo. It is me, Troy McKeady, and I am very, very excited for this episode. It has been a long time coming. What you guys don't realize is that (laughs) it's taken us a little while to orchestrate the recording of this episode because we live in different parts of the world. But I am joined by one half of the Sissy That Pod podcast. Kian, how are you? Good, Troy. Thank you so much for having me here. Should I say good morning, Troy? Good morning, Kian. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm excited to talk. I although I, I prepared myself for this episode a while ago, I had to refresh myself today. Um, but no, I'm I'm ready to go. I'm ready to kick ass. I'm really excited for this. So we are talking about Charlie's Angels today. Of course, the uh, 2000 remake of the show, executive produced by Drew Barrymore and. Uh, her production company. And I have talked about this movie in passing on this podcast. A few years ago, I did a Drew Barrymore and Tom Green relationship episode. And I talked about the production of this movie and like what it meant to Drew's career, but I didn't get to really expand on it in the way that a millennial homosexual would like to expand on it, right? So I'm really excited for this and I'm excited to learn like what this movie meant to you growing up yeah like it's a it's a one of those things that I always think that what is is it nature or nurture the things that us as gay men are obsessed with that it's like mm-hmm. you take two boys opposite side of the world different backgrounds mm-hmm. both show them this movie and they both become obsessed with it and yeah it's one of those like so I was about 10 probably when I watched it for the first time loved it considered it was high art wasn't sure why no one else seems to think it was a good movie as I did yeah and it was just thought it was so I don't like I was also a big James Bond fan but this like clicked another part of my brain which was just like it was the music it was the costumes it was everything it was yeah it was really sort of an instant love affair with these movies I agree with that this is a movie that I think most people can relate to this especially if you grew up with like in the era of like DVDs being really expensive and like coming off of like VHS tapes Mm. as like a kid. This was a movie that I used to like rewind and just rewatch over and over. Or I would like 
skip I would just randomly be like I want to watch this random scene from Charlie's Angels and I would just like watch a random fight scene or skip to the part that I love like it was a movie that was almost constantly a part of my rotation I probably would watch it at least like a few times a month if not like once a week at the height of owning it I was just obsessed with it I never got sick of it and I it's you're right I I I always wonder that kind of stuff like there are so many the last time I posted clips from this on my Instagram so many people and like a lot of little gay boys were like this was Mm -hmm. the moment for me as a kid and I don't know what that is but something about this just resonates yeah, definitely. Like, so you you mentioned at the top that I do a Drag Race Reaction podcast, I say Snapod, but uh, my co-host and I have also started a second podcast called Queer Classified. And in that we do try, we take movies and TV shows, we try to break down what is the queer appeal and does it do it correctly. So now that I kind of have that hat on, I was trying to look at this movie in terms of what is the queer appeal. And I think to the, for, for men anyway, and I guess to queer women too, and I think this is also what makes it appeal to women is these women sort of exist in these worlds where they get all the affection from the men, but there's never any danger. They are rising mm. above this world of men. All the men in it are blothering idiots. They're stupid. They can't get anything done. Even the bad, even like the mastermind villain is a woman as well. And I just yeah. think it's like these women kicking their way through the patriarchy, I think, like and looking good while doing it and having kick-ass background music. I think yeah. it's instant queer appeal. I agree with that. It's undeniable almost. And I think it's really important to note, like right off the top that, so this movie was directed by Mick G. And at the time, this movie came out in the year 2000. And at the time, up to that point, I think Mick G was only known for directing music videos and like really glossy commercials. Like he had done some Gap commercials, but mostly he did music videos. And I just think, first of all, this movie feels like a really long music video. Like, I Mm. think it's very obvious that the director had just come from doing these like very glossy, you know, MTV music videos because it looks like one. And it was the perfect time for a movie like that to be released. The year 2000, you know what I mean? Like TRL is at its peak. We are like very much living in like an MTV world And then this movie comes out, which is basically just like a really long, very glossy, like expensive music video. Which is fun because the actual song associated with the the TV show had a really cheap music video. Right. A CGI (laughs) music video. I know. I was thinking that. I was like, God, it would have been really cool to see like Destiny's Child doing like the army crawl with like the hat, like, Mm. you know, like the sets of this film. Why didn't they do that? There's yeah. three of them. <laughs> it's just that those awful computer graphics that they're sort of, they just feel like they're living inside a mouse of a computer. It's just all very strange. <laughs> yeah, inside a mouse. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it's, um, it's really, you know, it's, when I was watching this back, I was like, God, they don't make movies like this anymore. It's bright. It's overly saturated. It's colorful. It's, it's like very designed set pieces. Like, it's not meant to live in any version of reality. It's just like this dream. It honestly reminds me of um, like if the Spice Girls Say You'll Be There video was like 
a full feature length film. Yeah. <laughs> Is that not <laughs> Dune? <No. laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're right, though. It, it's almost like secret agent drag in a way. It's like so over the top and, and expressive and so unrealistic, but purposefully so. And mm-hmm. in the same way, like in the opening shot scene of the movie when you're following LL Cool J around a plane and then like he parachutes off it to reveal that actually it's one of the Charlie's Angels it's just true Barrymore right underneath yeah. it yeah but you're just yeah. like what how would how would Twitter of 2022 react to that if that came out right now like I couldn't imagine it <laughs> there's so many moments where I'm like if this came out right now this movie would be dragged <laughs> oh my god like Drew ripping off a black man's face and then being underneath but like at the time it was just all so like the early 2000s of it all is so Mm. palpable in this movie like it is one of the most early 2000s movies to ever exist I feel it's just so heightened you know everything and like that's a clear reference to Mission Impossible with with the mask and I can't think of movies I can't think of a movie that's come out in the last five years that within it has a direct reference to a movie that came out five years previously like Mission yeah. Impossible was only what late 90s and that's clearly like this movie is clearly referencing Matrix and Mission Impossible throughout it in this sort right. of fun parody way and they don't like you said they don't make movies like that anymore movies don't enter conversations with other movies as direct comparisons they they're like always trying to fight for their individuality so before we get into, because I have so many notes about the fighting scenes, I have so many notes about all of those things. Yeah. I want to talk about the casting. Cool. Off the top, right? Yeah. So this is a really stacked cast. Yes. It's really incredible. And everybody pulls their weight. Nobody in this movie feels like an afterthought. Everybody is so perfectly cast. And they all, like the three leads, Lucy, Drew, and Cameron, they all kind of feel like these like cartoon versions of themselves as we know them as like public figures, like these heightened, like power puff girl versions mm-hmm. of themselves. Um, and I think it's really smart the way that they wrote it to kind of like their characters all kind of play to their own strengths as actors, I feel. Yeah, I never got to watch the TV show growing up. Like, I think I remember it being on on some of the network channels here, but I don't think I really watched it properly. Um, mm-hmm. Do you know whether the characters in this echo the TV show? I never really watched the TV show okay. either. This was my intro. Yeah, me too. You know what I mean? Like, what <laughs> I go back the... to Farrah Fawcett after I had Cameron D, you know? <laughs> <laughs> right. I know. I was going to say, the only thing I know of the show really is just like the iconic imagery of Farrah Fawcett, honestly. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, I like I I really do like the individuality and you get that sort of in the opening segment, which is Cameron Diaz is the nerd, which I think great t- cast the blonde as a nerd. What a perfect juxtaposition yeah. of like stereotypes of high school. Then you have is it's um you have Lucy Liu as like the pristine upper class hoity toity girl, and then you just have Dylan as the the kick ass rebel without a cause. And yeah. it's like perfect. You set the scene so quickly in that in that really quick montage, and that goes on to sort of you know what they all bring to the table throughout. I think it's really fun. Yeah, they they uh, all sort of like counter each other in a really interesting way, and <laughs> it feels believable. You know, like it feels yeah. like it was written by people who actually knew these people knew these women like you can tell that drew was very much a part of it and she's injected like so much of their own 
identities into it. It feels like they got to maybe choose like what their characters identities were like the traits that they would have mm. like it just feels very lived in you know it feels very like action role play or whatever where it's like i'm choosing yeah. a level seven mage who's yeah upper class <laughs> yeah <laughs> <so> horse riding <laughs> you know you just picture them coming to set being like i'm deciding to play this as a nerd who's actually a super hot cheerleader it's like cool let's yeah. go with it and they're like, wait, you guys, I just figured out my girl does bombs. She like yeah. detonates bombs. She knows wires, like, right? And they're like, yeah, red, blue wire. Yeah. Like one of the most, the one of the biggest laughs for me is when they're trying to find Bosley and he's in Carmel and it's identified because Cameron Diaz's character can identify the, the, the type of chirping birds in the background <laughs> and then recreates the noise. Oh, it's the blue titted something. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, right, wow. Literally creates the most perfectly pitched bird noise I've ever heard by simply cupping her hand over her mouth and, <laughs> and then hitting the other side of it. I was like, wow, that's really something. and at one point i think she speaks japanese and then maybe lucy speaks chinese maybe that's it and then uh cameron d responds in like german and then yeah responds in swedish and they're all just like nodding away to each other and sam rockwell's just looking on going say what (laughs) okay and can we talk about the side characters really quick like Mm. The Sam Rockwells, the fucking Crispin Glovers, the 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 Matt LeBlanc, Matt LeBlanc. I mean, I totally is... forgotten he was in that. Me too. Bill Murray. Yeah. Uh, oh Luke Wilson. Luke Wilson. <laughs> also, uh, where was Melissa McCarthy in her in her career at this point? This was like pre everything, pre everything. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like this was her being cast constantly as like a person who literally has one line. Okay. And everything. Yeah. Um, She's the only, well, other than like the villain, who's still like a bit, I don't know, I feel like treats the angels as her equal. She's the mm-hmm. only woman in it who feels a bit like anti-woman because she like just turns around and calls Lucy a bitch for like not talking to her. But other than that, right, like, yeah. there's this such great sense of camaraderie. It's, just, it's really this world in which women are on top all the time that I yeah. think is so fascinating. Yeah, and I okay. First of all, as a gay man, it's like we love comedic, funny women, right? Mm-hmm. And these women are all so funny in different ways. And I think that's another thing that I love about the way that this movie is written. It plays to their their comedic strengths too. Mm-hmm. Like they're all very funny in very very different ways, but they all get to really like just lean into whatever that is and showcase it, and it explodes on camera, like they all get uh, I think very equal like special moments to be really funny yeah no I think so too like even at at the start when because I think Cameron Diaz is a really good comedic actress who does not get her dues I even think at the start where uh is it Vivian West or Woods I'm just thinking Vivian Westwood now I'm like Vivian Westwood <laughs> I can't remember Vivian. I can't remember her surname, the 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 villainess in this. Um, she like badmouths her and is like, she's the one who did it. And she walks into the room and then she has to sort of play this, like, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> I just think that's so well acted. She's so great. Like she nobody, 
makes a character lovable the way Drew Barrymore, or not Drew, well, Drew too, yeah, but Cameron yeah. Diaz, my God, like that laugh, her smile in the camera. I mean, the amount of time that we spend panned on her face, just her face acting, her mm. eyes and her giant smile and like her expressions, like they knew what they were doing, you know? Yeah, yeah. Speaking of like a Cameron Diaz solo moment, can I ask you, as a as a Black American, what? How do you feel about that scene where she gets up at the Soul Train party and just starts dancing, and the crowd go, "Go, white girl, go, white girl." <laughs> I'm just like, okay, this it's, feels inauthentic. It is so the year 2000. <laughs> like it's so the year 2000. It's so ridiculous, but she played like she's such a believable character that she somehow makes that scene like so adorable Mm. like she makes that scene really fucking enjoyable and it's just because she's so she's so good and I love when they cut like the moments where like in her mind she's killing it and then they cut to what's going on and everybody's just staring and you can hear her feet (laughs) tapping on the ground it's so funny like she's just so goddamn funny yeah, and actually, when I watched it the second time, I was like, oh, so the crowd are actually cheering her on in a sort of like, look at this fucking idiot. Yeah, way, like, which she's... makes a lot more sense. Yes. Yeah. Like, she's an idiot, but she like is having fun. Like, it's cute. Yeah, she's just going so hard that she can't help but just be like, okay, let her go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like I was going to say, I feel like each one of them, they get like one real big moment. Like, I think that's her like really big comedic scene, right? Mm. And then um, Lucy Lucy, th- I'd say, is when she when she's doing that like dominatrix, yes. inspirational talk. Yes, which is so Lucy Lou, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, like real, like never breaks. Always a little stern face, and then like just so over the top and camp. <laughs> yeah, so over the top and like delivering like a really intense monologue. She's so good at that. It mm. gave me Kill Bill vibes. Yes, again, yeah, which was same year, year before, around that yeah, time anyway. around that time for sure. Mm. Um, so what was Drew, what's Drew's comedic moment? Is it when she's in the, when she's back in Sam Rockwell's house? See, I thought she had a couple, but I felt like the Rockwell, her and Rockwell's house was like the moment. Yeah, okay. Right, where she falls down the hill and she like, <laughs> and then she like knocks on the door and she has the floaty. Like, that was great. Yeah. <laughs> Because in that scene, I thought it was so strange. Like she, like first of all, hideous house. I mean, we're all in oh my God. inflation, but I wouldn't even buy that if it was on the mic. Hideous house. Oh, but like she, she does this weird. I feel like she treats him like a child after. Like they go and they have sex, and then she, she's like, "Oh, stay away from the window. You'll fall out." It's like first it's his house. Surely he knows. Right. I know. It's like we <laughs> just fucked. Now be careful. And even like when she turns around, you know, the Vivian turns around with the gun. And it's like, "Oh, be careful!" And pulls him down onto the couch and spells out "enemy" using the, the, the Scrabble tiles. It's just like, why are you treating him like he's? <laughs> and she even whispers it, "enemy." it's like babe he can spell too and read and all that yeah i but i think it plays to what you said earlier that all the men are just supposed to be idiots true yeah and like the women are really like looking over them watching over them (laughs) you know out of all the love like so you mentioned 
us gay men, we love a funny woman. We also love a hot guy. Who's the most attractive to you of the love interests? So like Sam Rockwell, Matt LeBlanc, Luke Wilson. Let's throw Tom Green in there for the crack. Okay. <laughs> Wouldn't it be funny if I was like, oh, it's Tom Green. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Come on. The answer is Matt LeBlanc, right? That's the answer. There's something about Sam Rockwell in this movie. I really dig the sort oh, of goofiness. Okay. No, you're right. Yeah. The answer okay. is Sam Rockwell. <laughs> yeah. The actual answer is Sam Rockwell. You'll you, like Matt is there to confuse you, but the actual answer is Sam it's, Rockwell. Yeah. Like yeah. I think as actors, I'd go for Matt, but as the characters, I'd go for for Sam. There's just some sort yeah. of goofy. And when he does this sort of like the dance around, like yeah. I don't know, there's some sort of sexual energy he has that's charged there that 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 turn, that gets me going. And again, it's all of these people like being written to like play to their strengths because like that character could have been really kind of like nothing Mm -hmm. like any other person playing that it could have been like a really kind of drab like kind of um like stereotypical like villain but he chose to play it in this really unique way where like at the end when he like reveals himself he's like it's like this weird kaiser sose moment where he's all of a sudden like the shaft like he's like doing the splits and like getting up he's like smoking a cigar and like he's like cool all of a sudden that was awesome yeah it goes full tarantino for a bit like (laughs) yeah even like the scene where he's tied drew up and like puts the the duct tape over her mouth but like draws the lips on it like yeah it's just like this really sort of like cool i i I just ring again kill bill tarantino touches to it that i that i found that i wasn't expecting yeah little sprinkles of Mm. things you're like well that's fun that's like a fun way to play this um (laughs) and i love i I love that scene in general too like where like drew like falls backwards out the window it's such an abuse of technology which is what i always say about the early 2000s (laughs) we were really leaning into the abuse of computers we were so excited about being able to cgi things Yes. Well, actually, one thing I did want to say is our relationship with technology has grown a lot since mm-hmm. this movie. Because even like, you know, this is the time where you can say things like, he's trying to hack the mainframe and people go, oh, yeah. God, I know that's bad. But like, I think yes. we, so, we know so much more about tech companies, about clouds, about monitoring. Like this, what, Red Star is some sort of SpaceX style satellite yeah. positioning company. And like this guy Knox has a voice recognition software and he's trying to pair the two of them together. So if someone talks on the phone, he can find them. But it's just like now you now you say those things. And and, and I think as as real casual technological users, you're kind of like, well, does, does that really work? Like, I think we can fact check it a lot better than we could have back in 2000. I totally agree with you. And I'm so happy at the beginning that you brought up that you're a James Bond girl because I am too. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, <laughs> okay. So like in the 2000s, James Bonds, like the technology gave me very much that vibe where it's like, mm. it's like, it has that feeling of being of like, we're in the future now. The future is now. It is the year 2000. We are using computers, you know, <laughs> it's like very silly and yeah. like, it thinks it's like very space age and far out of this world, but it's like very grounded in like a very simple reality that is easy to debunk. Like it's not like even like the silly stuff, like her putting her hand in like the goo and they're like, mm. it has like full hand print technology <laughs> or whatever, not just your fingers. So like the door lock is like, you put your hand inside goo and yeah. it's like, 
lights going off. You're like, what's happening? Yeah, and, and I can't remember how did they get the the, the the scan of his hand because they they dress up as those German Oktoberfest lederhosen <laughs> ladies and played the trombone to get his eye. I don't remember yeah. him getting the hand. At oh, any yeah, point. <laughs> yes, like what? <laughs> There's a light scanner inside the trombone uh, that goes wing. <laughs> That can mm. still produce music at the same time. It's a really yeah. handy gift. <laughs> like, it's so silly, but it thinks it's, like, so space age, like, so the year 2000. And um, I hate to be, like, I know no one really enjoys finding nerdy nitpick holes and things like that, but, like, the whole pressure pad floor, clearly, again, a nod to Mission Impossible. Yeah. But Mission Impossible, it was pressure padded when it was locked. And he was going in when it was locked and ascending from the ceiling. They had unlocked the door, but yet the floor was still pressure padded. That made no sense. Right. I know. And they, it's, it lives in such a dream world that they don't even, like, even when she's doing like the backflips and stuff on the floor, mm. she's on it for more than two seconds. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they don't even try. They don't even try. Because they know that this is just a big music video, which is and fun. Also, she lands the backflip in the flip on top of something yeah. she flips up in the air and then lands on the hands it's like why <laughs> okay let's talk about the let's talk about the fighting okay right let's talk Where about the combat well one thing i did i did see um is that drew barrymore didn't want any of the angels to use guns because she's very yeah. anti-gun and i thought that was actually quite novel and i watched it and i hadn't picked that up really until i heard it afterwards i was like oh yeah the only gun you see is is sam rockwell's gun i think yeah, it's really cool. Like mm. they use every everything in the room that they can, but they never use guns. Yeah. Um, so obviously you're familiar with wire foo, the term. Have you ever heard yeah. that term? No, I vaguely. I, I probably would want a clarification. Okay, so in the early 2000s, I mean, some kung fu related <laughs> yeah. on a wire? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Okay. Like it became really, really popular in the early 2000s because of The Matrix, like you said earlier. Um, mm -hmm. Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon was, like, major. Mm -hmm. And this movie, honestly, had a huge impact on this, like, style. And it's very early 2000s. I know that it, I looked it up online and it said that it came from, like, decades before. Um, obviously, it was, like, we just took it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Of course. American directors were like, oh, that's cool. We'll take that. Um and people like to shit on it. I mean, it looks very, like, dated now, but I think it's still really effective. I thought it was really cool. What did you think? Yeah, I thought so. And, and it, it, like, it, it presented violence in a way that didn't feel violent, per se, because it just feels so choreographed. Like, it's basically sort of dancing. And, you yeah. know, throughout the whole, <clears throat> throughout, like... You know, as a Bond gal yourself, you'll know, you know, Daniel Craig will talk about how he'll go to a hundred suits on different levels of scuffed up because he gets so scuffed up. In this, they would be kicking ass for about five minutes and like would look exactly the same. There's no scuff. Like, yeah. They still look pristine. It just feels like this is just a fun choreographed fight that is to represent the violence that these women are going to do. Um, so I quite like that. I think there's like an innocence to it. I, that's exactly how I feel. There is an innocence to it. It, it makes it light. Mm. You know, it makes it feel like this is a movie that technically could kind of be enjoyed by like any age group. Yeah. Like kids can watch this, I think, you know, it's like fine. And it's not like Kill Bill violent. Like yeah. there's no blood or anything really. 
No. It's just sound effects and like, whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. Yeah. like it's just really like that bam boom, you know. Like when they when they chase Crispin Glover down that back alley, pretty much like maybe a half an hour into the movie, and they play the prodigy smack my bitch up and you're like okay shit is going down here <laughs> and they're chasing him through different doors and they're breaking through glass and they're giving like they're jumping out each other's hands to like spring up into the air it, yeah it's, kind of, it's almost like take olympic gymnastics and just put it into a dark street and give it a narrative and you're like there you go yeah have it. it's so true and i love that they like use each other as this like mm. constant like sort of moving machine to like fight this person like like you said like turning their arms into like a launching pad and then like you know Cameron Diaz bending over so Lucy Lou can jump on her back and then yeah whatever you know like I love that that they kind of fight as one they're like a transformer kind of coming yeah. together and brings brings in that unity of the three of them together that they are like you know hammer some of the mess that they are better the three of them than they are individually like the sum of their parts and stuff so yeah yeah like I, I do really appreciate it it kind of I guess it picks up again at the end where yeah. Drew's tied to the chair and she's like I'm gonna kick all your asses and I'm gonna moonwalk out of here and then she kicks <laughs> all their asses and then they play Michael Jackson <laughs> and you're like oh well this you are you are having just as much fun as we are making this movie. <laughs> Do you have a favorite fight scene? Um, I think that one I mentioned in the Smack My Bitch Up one, I think I just because it just goes so hard. And it's Crispin Glover is such a creepy man <laughs> that it's like it's just kind of like it's almost like symbolizing every woman who's been felt uncomfortable by the creepy man. Like this mm-hmm. is their this is their fantasy of kicking his ass with their friends. Like I think that I think that looks the best. I think it I guess ultimately they don't he gets away but like with the creepy strands of hair as well but um, yeah I think that's my favorite what would you... I think it's my favorite too yeah it's the scene I think I used to revisit the most as like a kid too like I would just sometimes just watch that scene and uh I think it does a good job of introducing like the style of fighting because it's mm. the first real like big fight they have and you get an idea you're like okay this is a fantasy like yeah I can completely let go and just enjoy this like wild ride. Like they're flying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Like, you know, to, to be, to be honest, uh, rewatching it, I, it was when uh, LL Cool J's face came off that I was like, okay. No I'm need like to worry about the plot movie. Today. I'm like, oh, <laughs> this isn't based on any kind of reality. It's like 50 it's minutes good. in. <laughs> You're like, I noticed within the first couple seconds, it was kind of art more so than. <laughs> You're right. It sets the combat style. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you're right. Crispin Glover is so, he's so good at making his characters just like uniquely weird and like strange and creepy. And the fact that they just refer to him as creepy thin man is so funny to me. <laughs> It's like hard, <sighs> and even like we only see him take a lock of is it is it Lucy Liu's hair? But then by the end of it, he has like a, a lock of all three of hers. You don't know where he got them from, and you're just like, oh, creepy man with the hair, and like the way that he like runs it across his face and then rubs it on his head and then puts it in his pocket. It's like so creepy. It's so creepy, and like that sort of like almost like pre-ejaculatory like body yeah. jerk that goes with the sniff it's just ugh, ugh, ugh. <laughs> yeah, pre-ejaculatory. 
<laughs> I mean, it uh, is like that's, that's exactly what it is. Oh, yeah, he's creepy, creepy man. He comes back no, in the second movie, if I can remember correctly, right? Doesn't he? I think so. I think I he think has so. a cameo. Yeah, I definitely have not seen the second one as much as I've seen this one for sure. No, no, and like the second one's a whole other conversation, but Courtney Cox and that bad Irish accent, I mean. <laughs> in that fur with the guns it's just like what is this um <clears throat> but no yeah and the that fighting scene specifically too like is just pure music video camp i mean it's just and hmm. the fact that like prodigy is playing like i can't believe that this movie wasn't because i remember at the time mtv was like making films and i'm surprised that this isn't an mtv film it just feels hmm. like it yeah, I mean, I don't know who, maybe your man works at, what, what was his name? Mick, Mick G? Mick G. Uh, Mick G. Yeah, <clears throat> he obviously would have had, he must have worked at MGV in the past, whatever, if he was making music videos or, or with, with a sort of yeah. idea in mind if he wanted to get on MTV. So that's probably what spills across with that. But yeah, yeah. like it's, it was like, it's 12s, A, I don't know what the what the certificate ratings are over there but it's like just over kids but like bang on for teens i think for us that's like it's like pg-13 like you can be okay. 13 years old and go get a ticket yeah okay so i mean that's right it does feel like it's hitting teenagers more mm-hmm. so than than adults now there is a conversation to be had about this movie mm-hmm. and you and i talked about this a tiny bit before but i really mm-hmm. want your I want to expand on your thoughts because I have so many. So this is a movie that people have debated over the years, like whether or not this is like a a movie that's to be presented through like the male gaze, or if this is in fact like this empowering, like feminist film or whatever. After watching it now, like where do you fall on that? Yeah. So, I mean, having spoken to some female friends about the movie, trying to work out like what, what, because I mean, I'm a man, I see things with a male gaze to a certain degree, and most movies are in a male gaze. So it was trying right. hard for me to parse the two of them. But watching it again specifically for this, I felt a lot of it was in the female gaze. I have like two little columns in my notes. I have under male gaze, I have lack of bra. None of those angels wants to wear a bra at any point. And from what I understand, that would make their life a lot more uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. The, the use of cars, again, obviously some women are into cars. I just felt that was very male gazy. They didn't need to have race cars. They didn't need to have fancy cars. I felt male gazy. But then under the female gaze column, I felt like there's that scene at the party where Lucy Lou's being hit on. But like, mm-hmm. it always feels like she's in control. It's like this man groveling to be with her. And she's like, no, no, get away from me. It's like mm-hmm. these women walk through life and they get they get all the benefits of being attractive but they don't have any of the downsides of being attractive they don't get you know they can defend themselves so they don't have to worry about being creeped upon um they're excelling at their jobs they don't have to worry about you know gender pay gap and all that sort of stuff so um yeah i feel it's really female gaze it feels really kick-ass it's really you know this is a female fantasy that, I, that, that that the audience can live out which is a woman who doesn't need to worry about all these threats who can look after herself can be both financially independently socially i think it's really interesting that only one of the characters uh alex lucy Liu's character 
seems to strive for domesticity. We never see, I don't think we ever see Drew's house. We never see, we see Cameron Diaz's bedroom, which I noticed was filled with vinyls, which I thought is very 2022. Yeah, <laughs> yes, yes. But it's only Alex's character that seems to strive for domesticity and, and striving for this like double life where she's lying to her boyfriend and stuff. And I thought that was a really interesting choice. The other two didn't seem burdened by what age they were, whether they had kids, all that sort of stuff, they were freed mm-hmm. of those sort of societal shackles. Well, you bring up so many good points. I didn't really think about the fact that we don't get to see a lot of their lives outside of, like, their job. Mm. Um, and, like, they all have, like, one interest outside of being an angel. Um, <laughs> but, but, like... I wrote in my notes that obviously, like you said, this movie is undeniably being viewed through a male gaze. And I think it was like directed through a male gaze. Mm. But I think it's undeniable that you can feel the intense involvement of a lot of women involved Mm -hmm. in the production of this movie. You know, like there were a ton of um, female producers. Drew was the executive producer. The cast is mostly women. It just feels like they're like they're sexy in this movie, but like into it and owning it, and like like they're sexy because they want to be. Like they're fucking hmm. feeling their oats. Like they're not being. It's not like Jiggle TV. It's not you know Coyote Ugly. Hmm. It's not boob tube shit. It's like them being really really sexy and powerful and cool and like being able to have costume changes and shit like it feels like they're very much in control of it the whole time like I even wrote like specifically the scene there's so many scenes but Mm. the scene where Drew gets in the car with the driver at the racetrack (laughs) like you can't tell me that Drew Barrymore wasn't absolutely like feeling herself you can just Mm. feel it you know when she gets out and she's like strutting like away from the car and you're like Drew Barrymore was just excited that she got to be sexy and wear a blonde wig and like that they're like doing costumes and you can just feel that they're just having fun I feel yeah I mean you have to be feeling it if you're licking a steering wheel you know (laughs) a level of commitment that you need to really but like even that scene is like I'm so sexy I've reduced this professional man into a blubbering idiot and then I'm just gonna walk away and there's no repercussions for it it's just like it's this pure liberated I think is the only word to feel these women feel liberated in their sexuality and they feel liberated in this world um, yeah, but they can do they can do whatever the fuck they want, and there's no repercussions. And I think that must feel so exciting for a female audience member. Yeah, it's really it's like a you would think that as an actor, like it's a dream to be able to mm. do something like this, and you can kind of feel that energy from watching them. Mm. First of all, they're all friends, like in real life, and they're all like actually getting to hang out and do all this stuff. And I think that's another reason that it feels that it connects to people and that it connected to young people's because you can actually feel the authentic friendships in this movie. Yeah. And knowing that they were friends outside of it, like that really added to it. Uh, On that though, wasn't there, wasn't there some beef on set between Lucy and uh, Bill Murray that he like shouted at her one time or it was hard to know how deep that went. Yeah. I don't know if they've ever really expanded on that but I know for sure that they didn't get along. Mm. And he also wanted like a ton of money for the next one that they weren't willing to give him. 
So okay. they replaced him with Bernie Mac, I want to say. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, that. I think that's right. Yeah. Um, um, I, I was wondering whether he got booted because of, because of Lucy, <laughs> which I was like, yeah. wow, great. A woman, a man is being difficult. He gets kicked off a job at the woman's face. That, that'll be gorgeous. <laughs> Drew's like, sorry, you're an icon, but you gotta go. <laughs> go yeah. Not this time. So yeah, that that's the only, hearing that like does sort of feel did make me worry like oh maybe the atmosphere was awful behind sage because mm-hmm. like you said it does look like they're having so much fun in it yeah like it 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 honestly feels like girls just like hanging out you know mm-hmm. and i remember like the press tour for this movie was so fun too just watching drew and lucy and and cameron like go on talk shows together and go to trl together and just like oh it was just such a fun time taking mm back <laughs> i don't want to live in this time even someone we haven't even mentioned yet tim curry like his his character swans in as a big old racist <laughs> at i wrote it down madam wong's house of blossoms right <laughs> oh my god jesus christ <laughs> get his massage immediately calls lucy Liu yoko ono straight away and then like you just get to watch uh, him getting the shit kicked out of him and then ultimately killed and you're like okay good yeah <laughs> that feels satisfying <laughs> and like his scene with lucy Liu is so also again just lucy Liu being so lucy Liu, like the, mm. the physical acting like her like having a completely stone cold face while she's doing something insane mm-hmm. like only she can do that you know yeah 100%. um <laughs> i wrote in my notes that i feel like this movie gets absolutely the the true climax of this movie where things get really bucked and are very fun is when it's after the soul train thing and when she goes mm-hmm. to the bathroom and she gets attacked by that guy when cameron gets attacked yeah and they finally like when they do like the bird thing and they go to that like i don't even know what the hell that is what is it like a castle yeah what is <laughs> what is Carmel that is what northern california i was like this looks <laughs> like france to me <laughs> um, maybe it does look like france there i don't know i've not been there but yeah it feels i was expecting you know it looked like Monterey, not this like, yeah. Roman castle. It was very strange. It was such a set piece for fighting. Like, it yeah. was just like, we are here to fight in this And it's building. also, you're, you're, it's like you're telling me in the year 2000, master digital criminals lock people up in literal dungeons. <laughs> right. <laughs> a literal dungeon. Like, literal no sarcasm. <laughs> Again, you know, if we throw back to James Bond, that happens to Judy Dench in The World Is Not Enough. She's locked in a very similar thing, has to cobble her way out of there using a clock. So maybe it made yeah. it to that. <laughs> maybe, honestly, it could have been. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I love, I love that scene where Drew like explains to the guys how she's gonna kick their ass and it's like so drew mm. again I like, it's... <clears throat> like i know th- in this scenario it's it's a physical combat but i just feel i can imagine that's a woman in her boardroom being like i'm right you were all wrong and the men yeah. are like oh, no 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 and then yes. in fantasy she gets to like basically stand over them you know as the victor and be like see i was right is it again you know that's another example of like the perfect female fantasy this this movie provides at times yeah <laughs> yeah and it's great too when she's like 
when she's trying to get the lighter to work and she's stalling by explaining what's going to happen. Yeah. And she's like, since I can't get my trusty lighter to work, I'm going to do this with my hand, t- my hands tied behind my back. Like, it's just great. It's just like, yeah. um, it's just so stylized and ridiculous that you're like, it's just fun. And speaking of stylized, even, even like the post credit scene where they're doing this like green day cosplay it's just like oh my why god the hell not? <laughs> why not i love that is one of my favorite moments oh like, my god we've done everything else we've well i guess we can get into the costumes and there is a bit of problematic oh. nature to the costumes but like yeah it's just like why the hell not like you just keep you know and then having some outtakes in the credits it's just it oh. just has everything it's just fun from from the start to the end it's literally a buffet Mm. it's a buffet whatever you want honestly yeah yeah let's talk about the costumes yeah i i felt there was definitely some casual racism through the movie even from like the the main characters there's there's gypsy guy belly dancing and for some reason drew is about three shades darker than the rest of the yeah like what so I was like, okay, that's black fishing. <laughs> then there's geisha costumes to the song Turning Japanese. Turning Japanese. You're like, oh. <laughs> oh my God, I know. And like, and you know the whole time in her mind, Lucy Lee was like, this is psychotic. What the fuck is going on right now on this good day? <laughs> but like, it's, and you're just, you just kind of, and obviously I, I had like Natalie or Cameron Diaz dancing at the Soul Train in my, in my notes as well, in this sort of like weird, like the girls can just go in and sort of take out a race and swan out as part of their disguises. And right. I guess, you know, it, it could be true to some sort of spy-like things, but it's just, it's just, <laughs> they didn't need to go that hard, I guess, to a certain degree. When we look at it now, what, 22 years onwards, you're kind of like, you could have got away with just a kimono, I think. You didn't have to go full gate. Totally. It was like very, it just kind of shows you how, you know, when you see movies like this, especially like early 2000s and like late 90s movies that mm. um have these like uncomfortable moments with stereotypes Mm -hmm. it just kind of shows you how surface we were at -hmm. the time like we were all very sort of shallow like not very deep thinking people about anything really yeah like none of us thought deeply about any of these scenes at all and they're so blatantly insane yeah like we were just such a numb society they're just sort of like real like token markers of like, okay, they are adopting a culture as a costume. That's basically yeah. what they're telling us that it ends up being like the lowest form. And it's also kind of just like, we need some way for them to be dancing. Let's make them belly dancers. Oh, great idea. Yeah. The costumes. Like that seems to be how much thought was put into it. Yeah. It's tr- like literally that may have even been a little bit too much thought. <laughs> I mean, you may have even overdone it. <laughs> I'm, sorry, yeah. I'm assuming the best of Mick G. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> G. and like sir is it time to change your name probably right <laughs> you think so like when you're directing some 41 videos it's one thing but you're a movie director now Mick G enough can you imagine and nominees for the best director in <laughs> at the Academy Awards Mick G for Mick Chinese G. Angels it's just you know yeah, when you see someone under like for you need to you need to up your LinkedIn, babes. Like you're not looking professional enough on that. He needs to spruce <laughs> up Mick G. 
It still says that you just did a, a Gap commercial. That was old, right? It's like 20 years old. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, but no, so aside from the very, like, of course, inappropriate costumes, because it's the year 2000, and what would a movie be without them? Mm. Um, there are some really incredible costume changes. And I just, I love the contrast of them, like, drew with like her like kool-aid red hair and her red lip and she's like kind of pale and then mm. of course like california beauty cameron diaz and then dark like they, they just all like contrast each other in such a really unique way it yeah, really is it, like powerpuff girls it, it really is and i remember i i don't know what made my 10 year old 12 year old self whatever it was after i watched this movie i said to myself if i have a daughter i'm gonna call her dylan <laughs> It's the That's best name. I was like, it's so kick ass. It's like it's a boy's name, but like it works so much better for a girl because it sounds so unique and so spunky. It's um, so cool. Yeah, it was. It was like that. That felt like it was. I think actually all the names work perfectly. Like Natalie, Alex, and Dylan. Like I think yeah, you, you, you've hit it on the head there with all those names. Um, and yeah, and the sense of character that they each have obviously works to that as well. I wish that we got a full. And it is just one second. But the scene where they're army crawling and recreating like the iconic Charlie's Angels moment where they're all handcuffed to each other. That's the only scene from Charlie's Angels I've ever seen because it's like very famous. Okay. Yeah. And I love that moment for some reason. I just like love the <laughs> costume. They just look so cute. How did you think, how did you find um, Cameron and Lucy in drag? Oh, it's like Cameron and Drew in drag. When they do boy drag and they hide oh, the yeah. little beards. I was like, Cameron's a really sort of sexy nerd. Can we talk? <laughs> I was like, am, it, am I sexually attracted to Cameron in this like prosthetic, weird face lace front? Belty beard thing. Yeah. Like a know. merkin <laughs> yeah. on her face. <laughs> she like, looked I hot. saw Drew straight away. That's Drew Brymore as a, as a boy. Yeah. And then, I, then I went, so that must mean that man is Cameron Diaz. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> it's like some people are just beautiful no matter what. <laughs> no matter what. Exactly. No matter what. You put a bag on her head and she's still stunning. Yeah. So, yeah, I thought like that's such a fun thing to do as well. Like they've gone through so much costumes. They were like, after we did the belly dancing, let's make the men. Why not? That's yeah. fun. I love in that scene too when, when Lucy's giving her speech and she like whips Drew's crotch mm. with the, the whip and she goes, oh. <laughs> 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 um, no, do you have like a favorite? Do you have a favorite look? Actually, tell me your favorite look for each girl. It doesn't even oh, have God. to be in the same scene. Your favorite look for each one. That's so tough. Um... So it's Lucy Lou has this no lovely asymmetrical red dress, I think, at the party that mm. they go to oh, where they sneak yeah. backstage. I Starry. think that's possibly her best. I'm I was sort of put off by her leather dominatrix look only because whatever Foley artist was working on it was really overdoing the leather crinkling noises. Like I she mean, was standing perfectly still and it's like... Like, <laughs> if you're making that much noise by walking, there's a problem. It's like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's so like all right. That kind of made my skin crawl to a certain degree. Yeah. Um, 
I can't. That's one that really stands out. I, see, I, I'm very bad visually. You throw out some, and I might remember them then. I can remember. I remember a lot of bikinis for Natalie. Yes. A lot of like really, really skimpy bikinis. And I feel I really liked what Dylan wore, but I can't picture any of it now in my head. I don't have it in my mind's eye. So I love the, I love the, um, the like race car driver thing on Drew. Oh, actually, yeah. Now you say it. In that car, Drew, I've never seen Drew's boobs look so good as she does in that car. Oh my God. She looked so cool. She mm. looked like a Grand Theft Auto girl. Yeah. No, she like, did. Like, they were, I don't know what way they were pushed up, but like with the leather ass, like, yeah, like body jumpsuit or whatever. Yeah, that's actually really good. And her hair looks great in that as well. Oh my god, I know. Mm. Um, love Drew is a redhead. Like Drew, <laughs> please. Like I'm re- I really liked her as a redhead. Just fit mm-hmm. perfect. Um, Cameron Natalie, Natalie goes brunette for a bit as well, doesn't she? She goes brunette. yeah. I feel like kind of works for her too. Yes, I love that. I mean, Cameron looks good in fucking everything, but I mm. do, I have a, a very special place in my heart for at the end when they're on the beach and she's wearing that, like, she literally looks like she's in Sports Illustrated. She's wearing this, like, cropped blue button-up blouse, like, tied up with, like, that high-waisted bikini yes. bottom, and she just looks like a yeah. gazelle. <laughs> she does. She looks like a proper Victoria's Secret model flouncing yeah. around on that that beach yeah <laughs> yeah she's speaking so about cool. that scene i don't i find it confusing why did they include that little bit where like true barrymore looks over her shoulder and she's like oh my god that old man's charlie but i'm not gonna say anything that felt a bit why include that i can't i was confused i think that it was supposed to represent like like because he's supposed to be like a dad to her or something because mm-hmm. you remember when sam rockwell says like oh it's another father that you'll never meet Yes. Okay. Because I'm going to kill him. I think that it's supposed to be like, he's our dad. And like, he's watching over us, his angels. It's very, mm. you know, it's a very half-assed B-plot. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's a L-plot. Like, it's a- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't make the alphabet. <laughs> yeah, it's a, that's what, that's why I felt weird because it's kind of just like, oh, there he is. Oh. Because all of a sudden right. it's like, will we get to meet him? Oh my god! Oh, we oh, okay. Yeah, I just yeah. But there was one yeah. other thing that I really wanted to talk to you about that I was obsessed with, and it was the the way that they built this world to kind of be like it's the future, it's the it's the year two thousand, but mm. also it's like kind of timeless, like it's mm, kind of the seventies too. Yeah, like. Yeah, that's actually a very good point. Because obviously that's a tie back to the original movie. I mean, I guess they have, I guess they didn't know how much they were a- they were aging it with the flip phone. Um, right. Because like, yeah. you, you could you could pinpoint that to a year if you grew up in the 2000s. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> but um, yeah, you're right. And I guess maybe that ties back to the castle. It ties back to like the sports cars. Like you don't really see, because it's also over hyped and so cartoonish it does sort mm-hmm. of lose a certain essence of like the mundane like what bush and the white house all that sort of stuff like if, yeah you lose all that it's really sort of just like it, it's a dream world sort of so it just it's, it feels outside to the world that it actually was created in all right yeah it's a total dream world like at the beginning in drew's dream her actual mm. dream when she's fantasizing that she's like at a disco and that the whole thing revolves around her 
and then you know she wakes up and she's wearing like that like uh base like vintage baseball t-shirt and like you said she has records in her house they mm. just do little things to inject that sort of 70s vibe like mm. even the fact that they still talk to him on like that very dated little speaker box like yeah random little touches like that you know yeah even that office is quite 70s i feel mm-hmm. like with the chrome and like the, all the wood from panels and little patterns and stuff like um and like who is it who makes the cupcakes it's alex right makes the yeah cupcakes that alex that are like, <laughs> concrete like <laughs> they break through the door it's like <laughs> what uh yeah like they it, it is strange and even it's like the plot the bad guy is like i'm just gonna use this technology just to kill a guy who i think killed my dad like that feels so old school in terms of its storytelling but yeah Yeah. they use modern day technology to try get you there so there's a nice meeting of the two and do you know i actually really appreciate it in this world of social media apps you know turning us into into information i appreciated that the the angels stole the software but they wouldn't give it away they were like no that'll be unethical we're gonna look and see if there was any evidence of foul play and we'll give you that evidence i was like come here our safeguarders of privacy (laughs) charlie's angels (laughs) and they were so casual about that too they were like well no we would never do that no no and and in fact it's unprofessional of you to even ask that to be honest yeah yeah Yeah, absolutely that was great i liked that too i honestly had never caught that until this no no i guess i wasn't looking for that when i was 13 though no you know online uh (laughs) online digital privacy was not on my bingo card as a young gay male i was like cameron are you using a vpn yeah (laughs) <laughs> you How do you really those know? cookies? <laughs> yeah, are you really being protected? Hmm. <laughs> um, I'm trying to think if I have any other di- things that I absolutely have to say because I'll never get this opportunity ever again. Well, I think let let's just reminisce on the music itself. Oh, okay. Yes, yes. Um, there's so many good songs that, that like I wish I took them down now you know to reminisce them all i think like even something like smack your bitch up is like it's so on the nose that mm-hmm. it's like you know the, the music they cast is so on the nose it's so like kind of almost basic but they do it so well that it's like that this actually works perfectly they, they kind of set the scene around the music rather than the other way around i feel and even yeah. that song like the barracuda song that lucy Liu's stomping through that that uh that office too is just so much fun um yeah, what 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 other songs stand out to you now from the soundtrack? Because there's so many. Well, I think it's funny that you say that 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 you know it's like him being a music video director. It's like he mm. probably did base those scenes around the music because that's like mm. kind of all he had ever really known, and it really works. Like you can feel that even like you said, even though the songs do feel kind of basic, like "Smack My Bitch Up" is like okay, we're doing a fight scene to "Smack My Bitch Up," but mm-hmm. it's so. It, it's so choreographed around the music that it's like it works really well yeah and i think like it's baby got back i think that cameron does her go white girl dance oh yes too. yes yes yeah that it's like i just imagine you know when that song came out it was a load of white people trying to twerk effectively and black yeah. people being like what and it's like that's exactly <laughs> yeah. the message being given in that scene as well so it like echoes the song perfectly 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that scene is so great with the music. And also, um, oh, when Cameron wakes up and it plays Heaven Must Be Wis- Missing an Angel. Yeah. Come on. Come <laughs> on. And oh, isn't, my um, God. Isn't uh, Got to Give It Up, that Marvin Gaye song that Blurred Lines got? got oh, yes. For. That's in it as well. Um, yes. Which is great. Which I, had, I didn't remember that being it from the first time. I was like, okay, this works really well. Yeah, the soundtrack is incredible. Another reason that it just reminds me of an MTV movie. I'm like, this just feels like, you know, even the fact that they got the rights to all these songs feels like it would be produced by MTV. Mm. Um, and then I look yeah. at every Charlie's Angels iteration has to spruce up the old 70s soundtrack for the, for the end credits, you know? Because I think oh, that's yeah. such a banger of a theme tune. The... Da, da, da. So, it's good. so good. It's so good. It's so recognizable too, right? Mm. Like... It's just so iconic, and I kind of, I kind of feel like I shouldn't be standing still listening to that. I should be sprinting down a road after like some old lady who dropped her bags. <laughs> right, you should be like laying a coat down at least or something yeah. across the street or something. Exactly, something gentlemanly. Just makes me want to do something good at pace. That's all absolutely. I want to do. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think you know, obviously, the lore of this movie, like the Destiny's Child theme song added so much to it right like mm. it added so much to the hype and the excitement and you know just the 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 pandemonium around this movie like those two things combined oh my god mm-hmm. yeah 100 and then like for the second one because independent woman doesn't really get it's 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 space in the movie no Not like Wait, when Pink's Feel Good Times is in the second one, there's like the whole scene of the motorbike racing happening and like Pink's boyfriend at the time is in the scene and stuff. It's like, I kind of would have loved to have seen that Destiny's Child song in the movie because, yeah, it, you know, it, it already is so hand in hand with the movie as it is. I would have just loved to see, I don't know, like make a scene around that. Like I think it would have worked seamlessly. I agree with you. We only get, the background of it during the mm. scene where they go through the fast food um window yeah, yeah, yeah you don't get yeah. any moment or anything where they like like fight to it or anything or mm. even do like a like a montage to it would have been great yeah definitely um, you know yeah missed opportunity <laughs> missed opportunity for sure so uh when i was saying to you before we were recording my friends and i we we choose a muse okay. every year and we watch a movie of that muse every month and uh-huh. 2021 was drew barrymore so we watched charlie's angel so that's when the last time i watched it but after the movie we write rate rank it under different categories so do you want me to talk you through some of the categories can you please <laughs> i'm dying to hear this <laughs> okay okay right so we give a score out of 10 to all the movies and then we choose yeah you know, at the end of the year we have a little award ceremony we go out for dinner i print off the little little piece of paper we read and count down our favorite movies this is amazing um, <laughs> Because I can't do anything and not rank it for some reason. I just, I'm just a nerd. We're homosexuals. Like it's what we do. It's what we do. So there was a score out of 10 for plot. We gave it six out of 10. Would you think that's fair? I would say so for sure. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's a bit wacky, but it, it's enjoyable. And, yeah. you, know, you know, whatever. Uh, characters, eight out of 10. I think they're strong. You know, I think even, that's good. Uh, acting, eight out of 10. Listen. It is. I mean, for this movie, like it is. Yeah, comedically, like, they're playing. They're playing. You know, in, in a certain way, they're not playing it overly sincere. They're playing it with a with a glint in their eyes. So I think that's fair. Yeah. Fashion, 
10 out of 10. I mean, okay. I was, I was a little nervous, but okay. You, good, 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 good girls. Good girls. Cinematography. Now I think we overmarked this. This is nine out of 10. When I rewatched it, I was like, there's definitely some, some dodgy things that haven't aged too well in that. But yeah, I that agree. Feels high. I actually, when I was watching this, I was thinking, God, if they like remade this and, and they kept like the wire foo, but like updated, like the cinematography, that mm-hmm. would be so cool. You know? Yeah, I agree with yeah. you. Yeah, in hindsight, that was probably a bit high. We were obviously just uh, swept up in our enjoyment of it. Yeah. Soundtrack, 10 out of 10. I mean, come yeah, on. totally. In- enjoyability, nine and a half out of 10. I don't know why we specified that half. It was obviously, <laughs> okay. it was obviously one thing that pissed us off. Maybe it was creepy hair, man. That we were like, <laughs> didn't enjoy it. <laughs> um, now we have one category that's called LPH, lols per hour. Okay. I don't know why we called it that. Basically how funny it was. We only gave it a 5 out of 10 for comedy. Okay, now that I'm going to have a problem with. <laughs> I don't know why we came up. I think actually I got more. I must have got laughed more the second time. Um, yeah, we've, hit a, we've hit a bump on the road. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, but we've unfortunately hit a bump okay, on the road. So if you were to, to correct our score, what would you give it for? Out, out of 10 for, for comedy. For comedy, and I'm not even being sarcastic, I'd probably give it an eight. Mm. Because the performances are almost only comedic the whole way through. And like, they're, it's funny dialogue and a lot of physical comedy, which is mm. hard, you know? I would give it pretty I, high. I think I appreciate its comedic effect more now after having watched it again in a quick succession that there's even like Madame Wong's House of Blossoms, like a racist joke, but like, you yeah. know. <laughs> I can see what it's going for there. You're trying to do something. It's so yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, I I I would agree with you. I'd go like seven or eight in hindsight. Uh, Feminist, we went for nine out of ten. I think yeah, stacks up with our conversation. And then our final category is percentage of Drew. The movie was Drew in. We went for seven. Yeah, I think that's good. I think that's fair. Um, so overall, it got eight out of ten, and it was our, it was our favorite True Barrymore movie of the year. That movie. Wow! Did you what other um, did you so do you watch just do you pick one movie to like kind of represent, or do you watch a bunch? No, no, it's, it's, we do pretty much a movie a month, and I actually think we got you more that year because it was a lockdown. <laughs> Makes sense. So I'll talk you through uh, the other movies you did. E.T. Okay. Blended. Okay. He's just not that into you. Okay. Confessions of a Dangerous Mind. That was a dud. Didn't like that one. Never Been Kissed. Music and Lyrics. 51st Dates. Going the Distance. I don't know if you've seen that movie. Loved it. I didn't it's pretty it good. As much. It yeah, was, it's good. I loved, I loved a lot of it. Um, the Stand-In. I really wanted to watch a contemporary one. And that came out, I think, in 2021, where she's basically playing like a double version of herself. One's famous, one's not. And okay. the non-famous one stands in for the famous one. It wasn't very good. Ever After, did you see that one in the 90s? Oh, yes, yeah. The Cinderella, that was actually, yeah. th- that one was a surprise hit. I didn't it's really it sweet. Yeah, because we watched the trailer and the trailer went from like prodigy music into like Celtic flute music. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Wow, <laughs> what a pivot. <laughs> this is going to be awful. But actually it was a hit. Charlie's Angels, Charlie's Angels, Full Throttle, Wedding Singer, Scream, Riding in Cars with Boys, Johnny Darko, Oof. Fever Pitch. 
riding in cars with boys. Mwah. Yeah, that's also, also a surprise, also a surprise favorite. So the top three. Uh, no, sorry, three was, um, sorry. Of course, I have a spreadsheet for this. So number three was never been kissed. Two was riding cars with boys. Number one was Charlie's Angels. Can I suggest one to you? <laughs> okay. I mean, we're even in, though we're in, we're in Jennifer Lopez year now, but go on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've got one for that too. Okay. I, I okay, mean, okay. I can't okay. shut the. Luckily, I can't shut the fuck up. So that's like, <laughs> no matter who it is, I'll have something to say. Okay. Um, okay so for Drew, mm-hmm. I really highly suggest a movie. I don't know if you've ever seen it. It's called Mad Love. No. So Drew plays a manic pixie dream girl at peak okay. manic pixie dream girl era. It's like okay. 90, I want to say 94, 5. It's like short hair Drew bleached, flashing her tits on Letterman, flower power, okay. chokers, like everything. And she plays this young girl who's bipolar mm-hmm. and she gets into a relationship with this boy and he like, is they're young and like he's trying to navigate her being bipolar. And it's like really, really it's it's one of Drew's best performances. It's so emotional. Okay. And it's like oh 94, so she's still like teen. She's like um rebellious, like hanging out with Courtney Love, chain smoking Drew. Okay. She's nice. okay. Yeah. Like her yeah, her boobs are out all the time. Um <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, because I really didn't like in my in my Canada Drew Bramer before that year, she went from E.T. to Charlie's Angels and she did nothing I, I didn't know anything she did in between um, Wow That was that was her journey for me I love that you did that then though, that's great <clears throat> Yeah, so no, it, it's such good fun to go explore somebody, uh, an actress yeah. It started with Hilary Duff, then we did Lindsay Lohan Wow Brian Moore, Jennifer Lopez so. Can I suggest a Jennifer Lopez movie too? Do, 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 do Okay, so there's one movie that you are n- Nobody is going to suggest this to you, but I'm telling you It'll change your life, just listen to me It's called U-Turn Okay, I've seen it on the list, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. It is one of those movies that has like 90 people in it. Billy Bob Thornton. Uh, I mean, just there's a million people in it. And it's really, really, really sort of noir, like whodunit, murder plot, okay. twist and turn, told a bunch of different ways from different perspectives. Okay. And it's one of her best movies. She's like very new in it. And mm. it's like... You'll never forget okay. it. Right. I'll message you when I watch it. Okay. Um, well, do you have any closing thoughts about this movie? Well, did you see the Kristen Stewart version of Charlie's Angels? Okay. So I tried. I've tried mm. to watch it like t- maybe twice okay. from home. I didn't go see it in theaters, and it just is bad. I don't mm. like it. I'm going to probably try and watch it again now that I've so recently seen this. Yeah, and I think I'll, it might do actually, as well because, again, that soundtrack, Don't Call Me Angel, hello. Yes, we it. talk. It kills. Um, yeah, I'm interested in, in just sort of like a thought, like just as a comparison piece, just in terms of like, I know they've got a lot wrong, but I don't know what it is yet. So I'd be interested just to see in comparison that I've seen it so often because yeah. the second movie gets... I don't know, it doesn't have the same magic to the same degree. Like, I think it pushes the wackiness a bit too far. Like, I still remember there's a scene where I think they're escaping the roof from the dodgy Irish criminals. And uh, 
some wood explodes and they all grab a pallet of wood and they throw it down at their feet and they oh, slide God. down a rope. You're just yeah. like, oh, for God's sake. Like, yeah. for some reason, I'm allowed to forgive LL Cool J mask, but I'm not allowed to forgive this pure disgrace, like pure middle finger to physics that you're giving me. Here. You're right. <laughs> Actually, I take back what I said earlier about this movie being an assault of uh, an, an abuse of technology. It's mm. that one. Yeah. <laughs> That is the one that abuses technology in a way that is just like, is this a fucking Orbitz commercial? Like, what is going on? Yeah. Or is this a movie? Like, what's it's happening? A bit too far. Yeah. Yeah. I would have. I'd love to see a reboot of of these versions of Charlie's Angels. I'd love to see. But maybe it's not the same. Maybe they need to be kick ass. You know, maybe you know, yeah. all the conversations about having like an older Bond or whatever, a female Bond, or whatever. Like if there were older women still kick ass, like that would still be, I feel that would be exciting, but maybe they will be limited as as actors in terms of what they can do physically. But I've thought um, about that too though. Like if there was a world where we could like recreate this magic, you know, mm. with this with this cast. And I feel like that's yeah, I feel like that's doable. Like mm-hmm. to have I think it would be really relatable to have the Charlie's Angels be women, like a adult women grown-ass women you know it'd be cool and i'm part of me just wants to see the three of them go on dates like i'm just interested in their characters i just feel like they they have such a great sense of character that i'm like i just want to be in their world you know yes in a way now that like everything gets a spin-off if it's popular i want i want to be in their world more those three friends how do they become friends what are they what is the office politics like like there's just so much to their world that sounds so intriguing and this whole fight the bad guy thing although it's good i'm like that's kind of to a certain degree one of the least interesting things about yeah. you i want to know more so yeah most, i wish you yeah. got a spin-off like that i agree with you the most interesting stuff is when they're just hanging out like the fast mm. food scene the scenes where they're just like being silly with each other are my favorite yeah yeah so. definitely so maybe maybe they'll maybe they can try and make a tv show again or something but they need they need to get actors with good chemistry yeah it's it's the chemistry Mm. they gotta cast like friends to do it like people who are already like you know okay mick g comes to you troy mcgee (laughs) oh god and he's like we're casting charlie's angels 2023 who are you casting oh god the cast of euphoria (laughs) (laughs) the first thing that came to my head was zendaya right straight away (laughs) no like literally zendaya sweeney what's her name sweeney Uh, yeah and And, uh what's her name with the dark hunter schaefer yes the cast euphoria yeah (laughs) hello (laughs) come on boys punch the punch the numbers and get the books going let's get it going Let's get yeah, the G on the it. line. That was that was easier than I thought. <laughs> <laughs> well, Key, I'm so glad that we got to do this finally. Me too. So Thank worth you it. For having me. Oh so my exciting. god, it was so much fun. Tell people where they can find you in your podcast and everything. Yes. So if you are a drag race fan, uh, my friend James and I release an episode after each each episode discussing it, getting guests on, and that's called Sissy That Pod, wherever you get your podcasts. And if you enjoy deep dives on movies, music, a lot of the stuff that Troy does here. We do it from a a different point of view. It's from a queer perspective. We analyze movies, TV shows, music videos, et cetera, um, from a queer point of view. So our season one just wrapped. We did uh, Barbara Streisand's Guilty album. We did George Michael's Outside video. We did Clueless. We did Moonlight. 
loads of uh, just content out there and it's a really deep dive and we're really, really proud of it. So that podcast is called Queer Classified. Well, my listeners are going to be obsessed with that, first of all. Cons- <laughs> okay. Consider more than half of them already subscribed, I promise you. Um, but yeah, this was so much fun. I can't wait to, I already can't wait to have you back. Super. I, I'm, I'm trying to work out which James Bond is the one we tackle next is what I'm excited about. We will talk. We will talk. Uh, trust me. I already can't wait to message you about James Bond. I like, want to right now. <laughs> um, but yeah, you guys, I hope that you enjoyed it. I will see you next week and bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Dunzo. This podcast is a part of the Solid Listen Network. Please take a moment to rate, review, and subscribe if you haven't already. Also be sure to check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash solidlisten for exclusive content. You can follow me on Twitter at Troy McGee, and you can follow the podcast on all forms of social media at DunzoPod. That's D-U-N-Z-O. Thank you to executive producer Molly McAleer and coordinating producer Nicole Matthew. the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.